Okay, we continue our series called, don't look down and don't look up. What's it called? What God wants, there you go. I lie, I don't know who that was. You come up here with me. You're going to get me the star student. What God wants for whom? Point. All right, so this message is to you, but also to her. God desires for each of us to grow and mature spiritually, which means to know Him intimately. Maturity can be seen by how much we look like Christ and how well we know God. Remember the verse in John, eternal life is knowing God. So this nine-week series deals with essentials of spiritual life. And we've reflected on God's purpose and plan. Remember, His purpose was that we pursue a relationship with Jesus. His plan was that this would happen by faith. And we do this by taking three steps, by participating in three ways. By communicating with God, by connecting with Christians, by caring for others. Our focus today is on the second step connecting with other Christians and that is an essential for spiritual growth it's an important part of developing spiritual maturity take out your discussion guide there's a verse you probably already have because I've already been filling in blanks for you haven't I there's a verse in the upper third Romans 12 it's kind of a theme verse for today Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. But read the rest of this with me. Belong. You don't believe that, do you? Say that again. And we all what? Do you believe that? We need to quit reading verses and ignoring them, don't we? We all belong to... That means you belong to me. And I belong to you. That means my business is whose business? It's your business. And so I can get all up in your business and that's what I'm called to do. God's word... And sometimes I have been in your business. God's word translation (laughs) is that... I like this translation. Individuals who are connected... To each other. That's what living as a Christian is like. So if you're living in this isolation, you show up at church occasionally, slide in, slide out, you're connected nowhere, you are not living the life God designed you to live. And you will not grow to spiritual maturity that way. Each Christian is a specific part of Christ's body, we're not all the same. And who's the head of the body? Jesus is the head. I'm not the head. You're not the head. Jesus is only and always the head. But it also means that every one of us is necessary. Now it's true that some of us, because of illness or accident, we might lose a limb. We might lose an organ. And we're able to still function, but we're we're inhibited. We're limited. And that's what happens when any of us don't function. And so you go, well, 
shoot, half this room's not functioning. And that's why we're inhibited. That's why we're limited in what we can accomplish. That's why we're not healthy. We're limited. We're struggling. We're hobbling. We're dragging along a limb that's dead or appears lifeless. That's the American church. Because we got too many sitting and not even sitting regularly. We're all necessary to function cooperatively, interdependently. I need you, you need me. There's a few things that I do pretty well, so I have a contribution to make. But you know what? There are things that you do well, I can't do well. You have a contribution to make. Lenny is wonderful in the hospital. How many of y'all have seen Lenny early in the morning in the hospital? I don't like early mornings. And furthermore, if you see me walk into the hospital, it means you're worse off than the doctor told you. <laughs> we grow spiritually when we discover and fulfill our respective functions by connecting with other Christians and by coordinating our efforts. You know what? I can't know God by myself. Well, I need your perspective on God to bring my perspective into balance. You said, what? Well, think about it. If you know someone, you can't know them because you have one relationship. You need to see how everybody else relates to that person. That gives you a balanced view of a person. It gives you a balanced view of God. My experience with God isn't sufficient to really know God fully. I need to benefit from your experience with God. I need to see God through your eyes. And you need to see God through mine in order to see Him more fully. So today we're learning to connect with other Christians first by engaging in relationships. Later, also by encouraging spiritual growth. But we're going to start with engaging in relationships. And there's several ways we do that. First is by acceptance. Romans 15, 7. On 9, 15. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Cross-reference, Matthew 10, 40. Well, how have we been accepted by Christ? Well, we've been accepted fully. We've been accepted completely. And that includes all of our sins and shortcomings. Jesus accepted the very worst part of us. Is that fair? Not only did he accept the very worst part of us, he saw it. See, we don't show each other the very worst, do we? 
I mean, she thinks you're better than you are. I can finish the sermon right there, can I? But that's good that we don't show ourselves the very worst we are, that say the worst things we think. But that's, that's good. That's not deception. That's thoughtfulness. But you don't hide anything from Christ. Because Christ had to see and experience the worst. So he could be punished for it all. I want you to get this. Punishment that Christ suffered was specific and individual. It wasn't generic. It was specific and individual. And it included every sin. A human has no vehicle for having sin excused. Apart from Christ owning it, experience it, incorporating it into himself, being punished fully for every sin. That's how personal it is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And when the sinless divine Jesus accepted the sinful, rebellious us, it glorified God. Because it revealed the love, the mercy, the grace, also the justice of God. When we accept each other unconditionally, when we treat each other with love and understanding, it also glorifies God. You know why? It's not normal. It's not human to accept each other. Tolerate, perhaps. And we can only do it because we've been changed by the grace that God has given to us. Accepting each other means respecting, dignifying, Every person, by seeing the image of God within, regardless of how that image has been obscured by sin, do you have that ability to see through a life that appears helpless, hopeless, destroyed, worthless, do you have the ability to see the image of God in there? If you can't, that is your shallowness, not the other person's sinlessness, sinfulness. Like Jesus' acceptance, our acceptance doesn't mean approval of disobedient behavior. You see, we accept people just as they are. But we help them become who God created them to be. And we can accept anyone and everyone. In whatever condition they arrive in. If we remember who and what we were when we first 
were received by God. You don't know completely because we can't even see our sin to the extent that God sees it. But we have an idea, don't we? Nobody else knows what lurks within. We know better than anybody else. God knows more still. And if we reflect on that, it opens the door to accept others in whatever condition. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Or let me add this. Or people whose lives are, are damaged, devastated by sin. Or tragedy. And don't think you know it all. Pride prevents acceptance of all kinds of people. Because, because our need to present a certain image causes us to avoid people who won't enhance our reputations. Do you judge people like that? Are certain people, are certain people embarrassing to you if your friends see you with them? You are missing this point then. And so here's the first question. Do I, which means do you, truly accept, respect, and dignify all kinds of people? We connect with other Christians by engaging in relationships also through humility. Philippians 2. 947. Y'all are just about where I don't need to give you page numbers, right? I know some of y'all say, oh, I got mine on my phone. Yeah, and you're going to fall in a, in a river and that thing's going to be gone. You, <laughs> you need to learn the word, man. <laughs> Verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's the definition of humility. Don't look out for your only, only out for your own interest. But take an interest in others too. Humility invites and promotes relationships. You notice that? Selfish, self-centered, narcissistic people cannot and do not have healthy relationships. Don't look at them. Don't point. But if you know someone like that, it is impossible to have a deep, honest relationship with a person like that. Focus on self fails to invite anyone to come close. It prevents the possibility of deep connection. You know, you know the people I'm talking about, right? There's always too much of them in the room. That makes sense? 
There's, there's too much of them in your relationship with them. They're always crowding your relationship. That's pride. Christian relationships are concerned with the needs of others instead of being preoccupied with the desires of self. Isn't it interesting how much more motivated I am to fulfill my desires than your needs? My desire may be shallow and frivolous, but it, it has a higher priority for me than someone else who has a much more crucial need, doesn't it? Focus on others, their needs, even their interests, beckons that person to come close. It invites that person to reveal his or her true self. And that's what makes intimacy possible. Putting somebody else's interest first. You know what I'm talking about? Are you one that always has to have your way? Come on, guys. We need to be watching lots of those romantic comedies. Even though, ask Leanne, I can already tell the whole plot from the first five minutes. No, she's not going to, she's going to break up with him. That, that guy over there, the milkman, that's the one she's going to fall in love with. I could write the script for every one of them. And yet we enjoy them so much. Yeah, ask Leanne, she said, don't tell me, don't say that, don't say that. I can be very irritating to watch movies with. Awareness of others... Sensitivity toward their situations and circumstances of their lives causes you to be patient with their weaknesses. But you've got to have the ability to look a little deeper. Ephesians 4 2, 9 44. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Humility causes us to recognize that we are all equally in need of the grace of God. And that we share equally in the goodness of God. If you know someone struggling, just admired in some addictive behavior, and you can't identify with them at all, that's something missing in you. Because you know what? Had you grown up in the place they grew up, had you experienced the circumstances they experienced, you might have been the same place. Do we know that? Ephesians 4.3 Furthermore, a lot of us have addictions that just wear button-down button collars. And so we get by with them. But they're just as addictive, they're just as destructive of the soul as, you know, substance abuse. But we see substance abuse and we overlook this driven personality which is just as addictive. Ephesians 4.3 Make every effort 
to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Look what we have in common. You know, if you think supporting the same team unifies you with others, imagine what results if you become keenly aware that we're sharing the same Spirit, the same Savior, living in the same body, and having the same glorious hope of the future. Now that's sharing. You know, folks, I love, I love sports, but I don't introduce that fan conflict mess in this church. You know why? I don't want anything to separate us. And you know what? Even if you're, you're Clemson or you're Carolina, somebody's got to lose and somebody's got to win every year. So somebody feels bad and somebody feels good. There isn't any place for that. Because we share Jesus Christ. And not many of us have been on that field anyway. It's amazing how mad some guy can get and he never played a down. I remember a drunk guy wanted to fight me when I was in Athens in law school. And I said, I go here. <laughs> I should have just kicked him down into a ditch, but I was, I was saved by that time. Otherwise, I would have kicked him down to a ditch. But do I seek to impress others? Are you kind of noticing who's noticing? Am I proud and self-centered? Or do I deal with people humbly, but authentically humbly, thinking of them and their issues and their interests as being more important than mine? Connect with other Christians by engaging in relationships also through forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. In fact, the, the Sermon on the Mount says unless you forgive others, the Father won't forgive you. It's talking about who you are spiritually. If we can truly appreciate the extent of our offenses against God, we will make allowance for each other's faults. And we'll extend forgiveness for offenses immediately. If we reflect on our own forgiveness by Jesus, we will be forgiving of others. An unwillingness to forgive, don't look and don't point, but we all know someone who is very unforgiving. 
And it causes the relationship to be tense, fragile, strained. Because you, you sense that the wrong word spoken in the wrong way will fracture their relationship. Anybody know that situation? We call it walking on what? Eggshells. That's real delightful, isn't it? Some people never release an offense. And when you stumble again, they pull it back out and beat you with it. What if God did that to us every time we stumble? What if God rehearsed every offense, every failure? People who cling tightly to grudges and resent, resentments, you know why they do it? You know why they do it? What would you say, security? It is security. They think it protects them. They think holding on to that resentment, what you did to me, protects them for the next time, but it doesn't. It merely ruins today and makes trusting relationships impossible. Unforgiveness sticks to your soul. You know what I'm talking about? You got this, Clint? Unforgiveness adheres to your spirit. It corrupts the inside of you. It wounds you and it distorts your thinking. The only protection from future offenses is to forgive them fully, completely, instantly, immediately. Don't give them time to soak in. Who do you need to forgive? And if you're being triggered about someone, there's something in there that needs forgiving. We need to scour ourselves, and that includes me. Am I triggered by someone or something? I really believe that unforgiving people don't feel forgiven by God. Have you been forgiven? Ask God right now to show you yourself. And if you see something that's stuck in there, that's adhered to your soul, ask Him to forgive you and free you from that corruption. And enable you to experience His forgiveness. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced truly the forgiveness of God? Well, what does that feel like? Well, it feels like joy. It feels like cleansing. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a cool drink of water, and it just washes the corruption out. 
Have you experienced that? Ask God to let you experience Him in that way. Connecting with other Christians by encouraging spiritual growth. Also, this is, this is the other side of it. We connect by encouraging spiritual growth in each other. And it occurs first by challenge. Whose faith are you responsible for? Point. Whose faith are you responsible for? Whose faith are you responsible for? Who said that? You get a gold star. Roland, I want you to kiss him. See, I'm not only responsible for my faith. You know whose faith I'm responsible for? Every one of you. Every one of you. And I have to feel that by what I teach, how I say it, how, whether I pray, all those issues. But you know what? I may be more exposed in terms of who I'm responsible for, but every one of us is responsible for each other's faith. And we have to use our influence to encourage spiritual growth in each other's lives. I love this verse. It's on the screen. Proverbs 27, 17. It's just on this side. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Striking iron together causes sparks. If you could feel the steel, it would be painful. But it, it, it produces a sharper edge. So we have to be willing to be uncomfortable and enter in com- uncomfortable conversations with each other. Being honed hurts. But it makes us better able to know and serve God. So we need to challenge each other and invite challenge in our lives. If we want to mature in our grasp of God's truth. Hebrews 6.1 Let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let's go on instead and become mature in our understanding. If you're still back at, you know, John 3.16, Jesus died so I could be saved. No, no, you got to make some progress past that. We've got some things to accomplish. And we need to encourage each other to, to, to deepen in our understanding. Also to use our lives and our resources to serve God. Hebrews 10, 24 on 971. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Does that sound like we're pushing each other? Who thinks it sounds like you're pushing somebody? Oh, come on. Let us consider how to motivate. That means you do something. To acts of love and good works. So who's responsible to do that? Point to that person. 
Uh-uh, no, I want to see some hands. I'm going to keep y'all here till 3 o'clock. <laughs> Who's responsible to, learn, to motivate someone else? Yes. And what happens to this whole group if all of us grow because all of us are invested in each other's lives? This means asking each other about how are we acting? How, where are you serving? What are you giving? Where are you connecting with others at church and worship and small groups? Ten, Hebrews 10.25, it just continues. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. The some people are a lot of ours. Y'all may not know this, but half our people come once or twice a month. Some come once every six weeks. If, if the people who call Brookwood home and come sometimes all came on the same day, we couldn't fit you in here. Because the actual number is between two and three times what comes on a given Sunday. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. The day of Jesus is drawing near, but let me tell you, it gets worse before He arrives. Y'all know that, don't you? I'm just be honest with you. Worship involvement is very low on many people's priorities. Fourth or fifth. My back doesn't hurt. My kids don't have any homework. There's nothing else interesting to watch on TV. There's no game to go to. It just doesn't take much for folks to just fall out. Whereas, not that I'm preaching, because I told you what Perry says is, is not important, but but... Boy, wouldn't it be great if we woke up and said, wonder what God's going to tell me today. Wonder what God has for me today. As our culture grows more and more immoral, I don't have to convince you of that, do I? And as persecution becomes more likely, I've already told y'all, depending on who wins this election, and it may be only this one, but it, perhaps the next one. We could lose our tax-exempt status. And that not only means that your giving's not deductible. It will mean all of our property is taxable. There is a spirit of Antichrist alive in this culture. Just this week, some bus driver was playing a Christian channel. He's told no more. A teacher could no more put a Bible on her desk. That is not First Amendment. Y'all know I've been to law school. That's not, it's a distortion of what the First Amendment teaches. But we live in a land that's growing ever more hostile to our faith. And if you say, oh, you're just a conspiracy nut. Okay, write me an email. But you better saddle up for that discussion. And don't send me something careless until after you do some research. I'm not even talking about conspiracy. I'm talking about just take a look around the culture. But if the culture is going to get harder for us, we better be prepared. You need to know God's Word. You need to know Him by experience. You need to be helping other people get stronger. Because you know what? We're going to need each other. So we have to challenge each other. So I'm asking you right now, whom are you challenging? Or you just want everybody to like you? 
And how are you assisting somebody else to grow? You see what I'm saying? We got, it's too late for that. I got, I'm trying to be popular. It's too late for that. Christ may be coming, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Connect with other Christians, encouraging spiritual growth through confrontation. Hebrews 3.13. You must, y'all laughing about it, it's serious. Y'all must warn each other every day, as long as it's called today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. In other words, use your influence. We shouldn't judge. That's the only Bible uh, verse that this country believes. You don't judge me. That That isn't what that verse is even saying. The verse says, if you judge, you will be judged. It's a verse about hypocrisy. It's not a verse about don't speak correction to other people. It's saying, don't you be hypocritical and you're, you're carrying a bigger load of sin than the one you're confronting. But it then says, so deal with your own sin and then go address theirs. Take the plank out of your eye, then go help them get the speck out of theirs. doesn't say ignore it because you might be thought harsh for judging. It's not talking about scolding. It's not talking about condemning. We don't have the right to condemn people before God. It's not talking about releasing your frustration, venting your anger on somebody. Spiritual confrontation is motivated by a compassionate desire to promote restoration. Not, Not an urge to criticize other people to feel better about yourself. Galatians 6 1, 941. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly or spiritual, is actually the Greek literally, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. If if we confront each other rightly, here's what results. Share each other's burdens. In other words, you share the sin burden in that person's life. Have you ever gotten there? You step into it. But you have to be very careful and prayed up so you don't fall up in it. Because you have to step into it and understand them to help draw them out. That's sharing one another's burdens. And so fulfill or obey the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is just love one another. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, John 13, 34. If you think you're too important to help someone or too indifferent or too complacent or too preoccupied or too busy, you're fooling yourself. You're not that important. In other words, we're not important enough not to be involved in God's work in people's lives. We're called by God to care about each other and to get involved in each other's lives, even though it's going to be difficult, time-consuming, costly, 
and not well received always. Truly, here's what truly loving someone. See, if I really love someone, I'm going to do for that person what that person needs done. Not what that person wants done. You know, we live in a day of weak parenting because parents want so badly to be their children's friends. And so instead of, of, of growing and maturing the child, which takes some structure and takes some nose, I just want to be loved by them. I'm sorry, that's not your job assignment. And our job assignment with each other is not, oh, I'm just pleading that you would love me. God's called me to say what needs to be said. God's called you to say what needs to be said as well. So we do for each other what, the, what, what you, I'll do for you what you need done for you. Even if it's not what you want and even if in the end you don't like me for doing it. That's parenting. You know what? Quit giving your kids too much money. I will promise you they will not appreciate it. That's just an example. And they'll become demanding. So you say no to shape character. Well, we say things to help shape each other's faith. So right now, who are you trying to restore to God? Because that's your goal. We also connect with other Christians, encouraging spiritual growth through confession. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Sin can cause illness. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, a person who has acknowledged and confessed his or her sins and been forgiven. The prayer of that person has great power and produces wonderful results. Sin limits our spiritual growth. It can restrict the results of our prayers. If we truly accept each other, if we understand that all of us sin, all of us are in need of forgiveness, then we'll be able to admit and even confess our failings to each other. And we can be forgiven by the person and by God. Then we can express that forgiveness on behalf of God. You know, when you come up to pray with counselors, they're, they're authorized to say, God forgives you. Now, I'm closing. I always write real short messages, believe it or not, and they explode on this desk. But first, I want to talk about a body of Christ issue. People in the Caribbean have been decimated their lives to a lesser degree in the southeast U.S. So today, we're collecting money for those causes, for relief efforts at the door as you leave. You can also go brookwoodchurch.org forward slash backward relief. But I also want to talk about one more thing. This is a body of Christ issue. We've been partnering with Pastor Praveen Chekavarti and the Siloam Pastors League for several years now. And we're caring for over 1,400 rescued children. Not all of them were enslaved. Some were just homeless. Some were the children of, of prostitutes who handed over their children to keep them out of that life. 
And so we began building a campus for these children. The campus includes a girls' dorm, it's already painted, you see it there, a boys' dorm, which is not finished yet, and a multi-purpose building, almost finished. And this site will accommodate over 2,000 children when completed, starting moves this month. And I want to say this, you people, Brookwood Church, not only are supporting 1,400 kids, but you're constructing these buildings. About 66 to 75% of all the funds have come out of this room and the other service as well. But God's not through. Because let me tell you what, these little Indian children belong to us. Same spirit, same body, same Savior, same hope of the future. And they live a few thousand miles away. We're going to do even bigger projects here locally as well. We already do a lot. But we're going to keep doing that. So don't say, don't say that. We're not collecting any money for this today. I'm asking you to pray and ask God if you should give first. And what? And I want to see some hands if you'll do that. If you should give, hold them up because I want to see. If you should give, and if God says no, you don't give. If you should give, how much you should give. And then we collect next week. You said, I won't be here next week. The kiosk you can use today, and there's an India relief slot if you have a card. And throughout the week. I'll tell you this. I think God's blessed us with this terrific burden. We can't do it alone. It's not our responsibility to do it alone. It's God's responsibility. It's our responsibility to do what we can. I think God's blessed us with a heavy burden. Don't y'all want to grow up? You know what? I look forward to the day of walking into heaven and a little brown-skinned girl maybe woman by then, says, you kept me from being raped anymore. And a, and a young man says, you fed me. And another one says, you caused me to know Jesus Christ and I'm here today. I'm not making this up. This is reality. I'm asking us to grow mature in this matter. We collect next week. If our ushers will come to the front, they'll be here to pray with you about anything in my message, about these Indian kids, about any matter at all. If you say, I need to, can I confess my sin? Yes, and they'll grant you forgiveness from God. Father, we thank you for your word. May we be doers of your word. Amen. Thank you for coming.